0: All things are possible, and you can be, authentically, gay with the God of your understanding. I am your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Gay with God podcast. I'm so glad you're here. And as always, I thank you for coming back each week, uh, for sharing, subscribing, and posting and rating. If you'd like to rate the podcast wherever you get your podcast, that would be great so we can get some more visibility. I'm just so, so appreciative of your comments and your dedication to to this podcast and to the stories and to the people who are telling their stories on this show. So today I have a very dear person with me. I have Jackson Rose and I would like for Jackson to introduce himself and then we're going to get into the show. So Jackson, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Okay. I'm 42 years old, about to be 43. So we won't talk about that. Uh, I mean, if you ask my body how old I am, I'm probably going to say 70, but it's just a good mix. Um, I'm originally from upstate New York. Uh, My family is Pennsylvania Dutch and a little bit of English, a little bit of Irish, a little bit of Scottish. So I have uh, quite the mixture of family relations. (laughs) And uh, I was born with, uh, with a twin. I have a twin sister and a younger brother and a mother and a stepfather and about 10 years ago i moved from upstate new york to north carolina for more opportunities and a little bit more uh, exposure to a world that i was prohibited from living in uh, in upstate new york Mm -hmm.
0: yeah and and i appreciate you saying it that way that you know that you needed to be in a place where you could have the freedom to be you basically. And you did not have that in upstate New York. And that's a story that we want to tell. And I also am interested because when we, <laughs> and I think my viewers would be very interested in, in you saying to me that I don't know if, you know, cause we're going to have a problem with the first question that you may ask is when did you know you were gay, which is a typical question that my, um, you know, followers listen to and and that the guests will talk about, but you said, cause you know, I'm not gay and I would love for you at some point during this podcast to, to teach us, because I actually had a friend, a very dear friend call me and ask me that exact question the other day. And I said, well, I can give you my answer, but I'm going to, I'm going to pose this to a friend of mine. <laughs> and before I even asked you, I got you on the show. So I said, I'm going to, I'm going to have my friend speak out of his own mouth and tell us what how that feels and, and how that is. So so just let's just start at the beginning, though. Okay. So you're you're born with a twin sister. You're in Upstate New York with your family. Tell us your story. How did you become the 42 year old person that you are today? How did it start?
1: Uh, well, hmm. um, I was born in 1979 in a small hospital. Funny story. My mom did not know she was pregnant with twins until she went into labor. What? <laughs> uh, he he wasn't dilating so they took her to the operating room to do a c-section and everyone in the room was prepared for one child and you know my my sister was born and then they were like okay let's get the placenta out and close her up and all of a sudden there i was oh my So there's all this rushing around for a second of everything Uh uh-huh and um, then I was born like less than a minute later. And it was kind of like, you know, my parents weren't prepared. So they, they gave us the best they could, but they ended up having to sell like their, their class rings and they were just very poor, but they were also very proud people and didn't like asking for help. So it was more of a, a, a very poor Childhood, um, Uh which was fine because simpler is always easier for me. I I honestly, it's the way to go. And and the fact that my parents survived with having two children and then eventually having our younger brother um, just gave me a lot of confidence in the ability Uh of my parents. Unfortunately, the downside was my parents gave birth to twin girls. Uh Uh So I I didn't know until I was about two years old. I didn't really have a, an understanding or awareness. But around the age of two, two and a half, you know, I was we were like learning how to potty train and getting more of an understanding of the process. And in my brain, without even knowing, I said, "No, I'm supposed to stand up. Boys stand up." Uh... Wow. And, and I, I don't, it couldn't explain it. Like I was two or two and a half. Uh-huh. I, I can't explain that because I just, I don't know. It's just in my brain. It said, "Boys stand up, girls, sit down. Uh-huh. So I had a hard time during potty training and, you know, eventually we were potty trained, but I still, I, I was insistent, but I just, it's fine. Um, got it sort of drilled into my head that uh-huh. I was a girl and went with it. Well, second grade is when everything really became more clear. Um, we, we kind of went to small schools. So uh, in second grade, my sister and I started at a new school district, and this new school district didn't believe in putting twins in the same classes. So. For the first time my sister and I were not in a class together oh. and that was great because we also got to develop our own personalities mm-hmm. but there was also you know with our own little struggles um second grade was the first time I really kind of had an awakening if you want to put it in words um I I remember we were learning to write full sentences and letters. And one of, one of the projects that we had to work on that year was before Christmas, we had to write a letter to Santa. And obviously, you know, Santa does exist. And, you know, we were writing to Santa what we wanted for Christmas. And I didn't know that the letter to Santa was going to originally be given to our parents. So I thought it was going to the North Pole. Uh-huh. And apparently in my mixed up brain, I thought Santa was God. Uh-huh. So I wrote, Dear Santa, the only thing I want for Christmas is the right body. You put me you put me in the wrong body when I was born. And I would appreciate it if you gave me the right body. Uh-huh. And my parents ended up getting that and there were repercussions. Um, You know, there was, there was some enforcement of certain behavioral issues and uh, you know, my, my mother doesn't recall any of this. And Mm -hmm. I remember it like it was yesterday. Mm -hmm. So when people ask me, you know, Hey, how did your parents react? I said badly.
0: That was my answer.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. And when I brought it up years and years ago, my mother denied it. So I just didn't understand how how they could not remember the extreme punishments for me saying, you know, I was in the wrong body. And I remember a conversation. Uh, we were in the car and going into town. And they asked me what I meant by the letter. And I said, well, I was born in the wrong body. I should be a boy. And I don't understand why I'm not a boy. And it kind of grilled me and said, well, what do you wanna be when you grow up? And the school had asked and they wanted to gear our education towards what our job potential was gonna be. And i said i wanted to be a priest wow we really didn't go to church as a, as kids i don't know i just knew i wanted to be the head of a church and i knew what a priest was and i said i wanted to be a priest and the teacher threw a fit and called my parents because she said well you can't be a priest you're a girl i said no i'm a boy and i, I want to be a priest and that was when like my parents kind of flipped out a little bit and there was a meeting with the principal and they were talking about the the santa letter and the whole priest thing so that year i started meeting with uh, a woman who was technically a counselor um, but she the activities that she had planned for me throughout the day I guess I I guess I was now part of this special program. All the activities were geared towards doing feminine, uh, typical activities: ironing, cooking, uh, sewing. And I was like, "What is this for?" And and she says, "Well, it's just to you know help you learn skills to be an effective adult and do whatever." That is not what it was, and I knew Uh -uh. early on it was not. Some of the other kids in the in this special group, we, we would sit there and have private conversations without the teacher, without the counselor. And their similar stories were like, oh, that's, that's my brain going. That's why we're all in this group. Uh, and, you know, the awareness, because, you know, I talked to this counselor through, from second grade through middle school. Wow. And... You know, I remember going on weekend retreats with the rest of these students, and they would separate us at these retreats. Girls go to one section, boys go to another, and every activity was reinforcing gender-specific roles. Uh-huh. And I, I'm like, this seems fun, but at the same time, something was clicking in my brain going, This is not right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, I just went with it because, you know, I, I, I didn't have a choice. I mean, right. I was young. Uh-huh. So I kind of knew when I was in second grade, but I didn't know the word and I didn't, yeah. you know, I realized I couldn't say to my parents or to teachers how I truly felt. So from that point on, I was living a lie. Yeah. And that's hard because... I, I don't like to lie. I very rarely lie. And when I do lie, I usually, now I giggle because it's so hard for me to lie that people can tell when I'm lying. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I think just being honest with somebody and saying, Hey, you know, even if they don't ask, if, if there's a situation that may come <laughs> up, like, you know, if we're going to be somewhere else and There may be swimming involved or changing of clothes. I just bring up, hey, just so you know, I was born female. Uh Because I don't want to make other people uncomfortable. Yeah. And I mean, I have Asperger's, so there's no such thing as too much information with me. (laughs) Right. I mean, other people, (laughs) there probably is. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and you always said, well, you know, I can always talk because you're not... (laughs) that's what i do
1: <laughs> yeah. And, yeah and it's hard because other people they're like oh we should not be talking about this i'm like why not why not well <laughs> and my i always tell people my favorite book is everybody poops <laughs> and you know it's it's true and yes. every everybody you know has certain things that go on with their body and nobody just talks about it it's too taboo Mm -hmm. it's it's part of your life it's it's a for me it's a giant part of my life yeah not not the not the pooping (laughs) as
0: long as we're clear as long as we're clear well so you were saying that you don't want other people to feel uncomfortable you know that you'll go ahead and tell them hey i was born female if you're swimming or something because you don't want them to be uncomfortable so but it sounds like your whole childhood was uncomfortable So you're trying to protect other people. Was there anybody in your growing up years that was your protector?
1: Uh, Well, it's kind of complicated. Um, I think at some point, um, actually, I was about eight or nine. um, My uh, Fantastic Sam's, I don't know if anybody remembers that, but it was a haircut place. Oh, okay. Yeah, I do. Yeah. And my, my mom, um, my dad was working. It was a Saturday morning. My dad was working and my mom had my brother, my sister and I, and my sister and I needed haircuts. And she would emphasize, just ask for a trim. Here's the money. And she dropped us off at the Fantastic Sam's that we went to frequently. So they knew us. And, you know, my mom took our brother somewhere else to get groceries or whatever. And my sister went first. She got her trim. And instead of telling the haircut lady that I wanted a trim, I told her I wanted to look like Bruce Springsteen. (laughs) The coolest guy ever. So (laughs) she did it. She didn't know that I was supposed to just get a trim. And our mother shows up to pick us up and she kind of freaked out. Oh, well, but I was the happiest kid. And so happy to, to have short hair. And shortly after that, um, my aunt and uncle had asked uh, if I wanted to go on a camping trip to Canada. And I said yes, because I loved hanging out with my aunt and uncle. They were fun, and I just I felt like I could be myself around them. And we were at this campground. and, The each campsite was pretty large. And I remember going over to a couple of campsites over where there were some more kids. And they asked me my name and I lied and I gave them a boy name. Uh. And they, I was just another boy to them. Uh Uh They would play games and eat hot dogs and just do fun boy stuff and then i when i got done it got dark and i'd have to walk over to our campsite i had to go back to being a girl oh wow but having that that short hair for the first time it was just it was gender affirming but i didn't know it mm-hmm uh-huh. uh-huh. um you know years later my my, my mother said uh well, my father passed away when I was 19 of cancer so I, I never really got to tell him but my mother when I came out to her said she said oh well you know your dad and I really kind of knew at a young age but my question was if they knew why did they you know keep me in this program that made me be more feminine and I don't I don't understand the reasoning behind it and I don't blame them I don't I don't hold any grudges but it's just, it's a generational thing, I think. Mm-hmm. And they just weren't comfortable with it. So they tried to change it. Well,
0: I, I, you know, I would agree with you, Jackson, because back then, you know, they, a lot of people feared for their kids' lives. I mean, they knew the stigma that came with homosexuality and to them, that's what it was going to be. They didn't understand transgender issues. They didn't, they didn't get that. I'm sure at that time, it was just, you're either straight or you're gay. And, and being homosexual was a death sentence. It was, you know, getting beat up. It was a lot of things that, that still can be true now today, but way more prevalent back then, Um, you know, in secret, not always out, of course, on social media back then, but, um, you know, it still happened and it was brutal. So, you know, I, I always try to remember that, that I think that, You know, when our parents, especially you, you, your family sounds like didn't grow up in the church, but for church parents, you know, they tried to save our lives from going to hell. I mean, it was, they were fighting for our, our lives and they did it in the most inappropriate way, but the only way that they knew to do it, that they had been taught to do it, but what you experienced having to go back and forth between your true self and your false self in in every situation is so damaging um, and so hurtful and so confusing for you.
1: Yeah. yeah. And at the end of the, at the end of the camping trip, um, those, those kids that I always played with every day came over to say goodbye. And they were, they were looking for this boy named some, you know, Lee, I think I used Lee and my family was like, no, there's, there's no little boys over here. And then they saw me and my aunt and uncle were like, Oh, so they kind of put it together and realized, but they never told my parents. Uh uh-huh. And no. they didn't
0: shame you in front of the kids.
1: No. And oh, good just, for them.
0: They just, they understood. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. So of all the people and they, they were sounded very intuitive and very supportive. Um, did you see them often or was that a rare experience that you got to be with them?
1: Uh, at that point um, where we lived, uh, we were like maybe a hundred feet from their house. Okay. We, we lived in a little house right next to theirs, but um, down, we were trying to build our own house next to the house that we lived in. I mean, we would spend summers with our aunt and, you know, it was my, one of my favorite memories is, um, when she would make lunch and she would make the, use a sandwich maker and she said, what do you want in your sandwich? The sandwich maker, literally, you know, you put whatever you want in it and then close it and it seals the sandwich around the edges. Oh, wow. Homemade hot pocket. My favorite was SpaghettiOs and hot dogs inside the sandwich. <laughs> and she, she would make whatever each kid wanted. She would make them their sandwich, um, but she got me hooked on those. So uh, it was just it was nice to have a, a fun aunt, and uncle, and mm-hmm. of course, my aunt was closer to our age than our parents' age. Okay, so it was uh, it's just again, generational. I think they were, Mm -hmm. they kind of knew when they were okay with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you knew
0: early on that you did not feel like the gender they assigned you. When did you start to get some freedom over that?
1: Uh, I tried a few times um, when I worked for a police department and when I worked as a uh, critical care EMT and and I thought, oh, well, I'm working. It's my own job. I can be who I want to be. But at this point, it, it never became about my parents. It became about my workplace and people being homophobic, transphobic, racist. There's just, there was every reason not to be myself. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like it. And, mm-hmm. you know, women, Even today, women are are looked down upon and they're like, "Uh, I don't think you can do this job. And it was especially hard at the police department. But, you know, I I realized very early on that I can pretend to be one person, even if I'm somebody else on the inside. So I got a little bit of leniency uh, in 2006 when I moved into my first department and I had freedom that i didn't have before and one of the first things i did was cut my hair off again um you know part of the the if i want if i want to live under my mother's roof i have to listen to her rules and follow right right and that was date men throw my hair out and wear feminine clothing Mm. so when i moved into my apartment i Chopped off my hair, and when I bought clothes, I would always shop in the men's section. But I, I knew, I knew that my hometown felt a certain way, so I made sure to buy clothing that was more non-binary, um, and I wouldn't cut my hair too short. But at the same time. I didn't want to look like a girl and I never really did. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember, you know, I've only, I'm, like I said, 42. I've only dated twice. Mm -hmm. And both times it was a, a mutual split, but it wasn't, it wasn't one of them. One of them was actually, they weren't really allowed to come out to their family. Mm-hmm. So when I would take her home, if her dad was outside, he usually had a shotgun in his hands and, and she was like, you know what, just drop me off into the, of the driveway. And it was funny because as much as my mom did not approve of my lifestyle, she actually asked me to ask my girlfriend to take my brother to prom. after that uh she's like you know i'll gladly take your brother to prom i i i can understand you know and she took my brother to prom and then we broke up that summer Mm. but it was just they you know she can't come out to her family she's got she's gonna have to go away to college and it's just bad timing on her part yeah but that was the second relationship and the last one I had but my first girlfriend was probably the the one that encouraged me the most to be who I am and she was she was a teacher and she was just really smart and, and encouraging and and she had she was 26 so she kind of had experienced life and We just, it was a mutual split because both of our fathers had passed away at almost the same time. Uh And, you know, after we, she moved back home and I I was like, you know, this sucks. She says, don't be afraid to be who you are because when you're still living at home, that's the only time it matters. When you're out in the real world, most people don't care. Yeah. And obviously when you're, when you meet somebody, the first, you don't say first thing, Hey, I'm gay or Hey, I was born female. Yeah. that stuff does yeah. not come up. That's, that's like, like deep conversation. Right. Right.
0: And that's, that's an interesting way to go. Now na- is when does that come up? I mean, for you, I know you've only did it a couple of times, but you know, That's going to come up (laughs) and it's going to have to come up. So when is it natural for you to, to bring that up with people? Do you think?
1: I usually try to sense the situation. Mm -hmm. Um, so I did not come out as transgender until 2020. It was May of 2020. Technically is May 15th. Um, but when I lived in my own apartment, the first thing I wanted to do was, you know, I, th- I thought, you know, I still want to be a priest. Do I tell this church that I am, was born in the wrong body or do I just go with it and, and just learn and not tell anyone who I am? So I started going to this church and it was uh, October 8th, 2006. And I found this church like I felt led to it so I started going to this church every week and was trying to learn as much as I could about God and I wanted to build my relationship with God because I wanted to understand why he put me in the wrong body but I never told anyone at that church that I was born in the wrong body and that deep down I, I needed to be a boy but for some reason I was a girl and It wasn't until a few years later that I kind of put my feet in the water just to see. And I was talking to a guy, best friend of mine, and I mean, my best friend. And I said, you know, this is kind of how I feel. And I'm not sure how to tell people and how to explain it. And he immediately said, well, then if you continue to live this lifestyle, you're going to help and he was my best friend. He he had he was like always there for me and I spent so much time at their house with him, him and his wife and kids and and for him to say that was like oh I guess I really can't open up to him. Uh-huh. And eventually I made the decision to um, move south mainly be, not because not because it's the south. Uh, I do love it here. But I have medical issues and I needed to see specialists because, you know, there was no doctor in New York really understood my medical problems and it was all intestinal related. So I did some research and I'm like, okay, well, first thing was doctors. But the second thing I looked at was LGBTQ friendly. Uh-huh. And I realized I moved to the Bible Belt. And I realize, you know, how bad it is down here. But I'm so far away from family that I think that makes a difference. Mm. And I didn't want to live in a big city. So I looked at Winston-Salem. I looked at Raleigh-Durham. Like, no. So I literally looked at a map. I closed my eyes. I did a circle thing with my hand and then just put my finger on the map. And it landed on Asheboro. But my finger was on the H so I thought the city was something else and I was like oh I'm not putting that as my return address and then I moved my finger and saw the H I'm like oh Asheboro okay (laughs) so yeah it was it was really awkward I was like I I cannot put my return address is that no Uh, but then I, I looked up pictures from the city and it's just like yeah I can do this and in 2012, May 22nd, 2012, I packed up everything. And well, actually, the, so May 21st, I packed up the moving van and I had to stay at a hotel halfway because this U haul only went 45 miles an hour. And it was, I, I I'm 45 miles an hour and you're going down 81. And people are honking at you, I'm like, dude, I'm in a U-Haul, I can't go any faster. Uh, So it literally took me two days to drive down here. Uh, I had my cat in the front seat in a a kennel, a giant kennel, and he's just sitting there enjoying the ride. (laughs) And everything I owned was in the back of the U-Haul. And I kind of like, I was scared, but at the same time, I said, the minute I step out of this van and get into North Carolina... I'm going to be myself. Uh And I sort of was, I mean, I, I I had to sign the lease and do all this stuff when I first got there. But after I got everything unpacked, I said, I, I, I'm going to do this, but obviously I still had to use my birth given name. Uh And I had to, you know, obviously acknowledge the fact that I was a girl, but I had always told myself, as soon as I knew what transgender meant, I said, as soon as my parents die, I'm gonna have gender reassignment. Mm-hmm. And the reason I had said that was because I knew that my parents would disapprove. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I knew, I mean, my my mom even now says she doesn't disapprove. She's, she loves me unconditionally. But when we have conversations and we talk every day, she will emphasize girl. How's my girl, you girls, you know, and like, I, it hurts. Mm-hmm. But then when I talk to her about it, she not, not that specifically, but you know, she knows that I, had surgery she knows i changed my name legally but she still emphasizes the girl's part and that's probably the hardest part of all this is i'm not uh-huh. and i never have been uh-huh. and it's like okay well i can i can deal with this but it's, it's only been two years but i've been living with this difference all my life and when I when I tell people you know yeah I, I only transitioned two years ago it wasn't for my reasons it was it was because I was expected to be girl uh-huh. not boy. Uh-huh. you are a girl you have to live this way if you disappoint your parents that's it uh-huh. and it wasn't about God at that point it wasn't it wasn't about living my as my true self it wasn't until um I started attending a United Methodist Church that the pastor would preach God loves everyone unconditionally and I thought well God might but people don't uh-huh. And that's, that's the part that, that stops me from being who I wanna be and, and opening up to people. Um, I know a lot of people are uh, not afraid, but just not willing to, to dive into that and say, oh yeah, I'll, I'll date a transgender person. Uh-huh. They just don't understand. Uh-huh. I mean, sex is not about what's in your pants. Uh-huh. love is not about what's in your pants uh-huh. and i i just keep reminding myself of that it's like I'll, i go to church i i volunteer at my church every week i'm there all the time because they accept me and love me unconditionally uh-huh. and it, it's nice to have somebody say you know we love you unconditionally. Here's the proof. And they pull out the Bible. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I hate that. I'm, I'm not going to say old, but I hate that I'm older. Yeah. But I've, I know people that have come out later in life, you know, and some people that that are lucky enough to be able to come out in their teens. just, this is the, the hand I was dealt and I have to go with the flow.
0: Well, and, and, you know, the hand that you were dealt is also such a teachable moment for people because it is still very new to a lot of people, I think. And it's, you're right. It's misunderstood. And, and the question, why did God put me in the wrong body? You know, I would want to know that too. I would feel like that was true. I don't think it's true. I would feel that it was true, but I don't think there's a mistake how either you nor I are hotwired to be who we are. But with that, what do you think other people are learning from your journey? What do you think they're getting out of watching Jackson come into himself and live his truth?
1: I don't know Mm -hmm. because, you know, now that I attend church, regularly and I have a church that that loves me and doesn't try to change who I am I you're correct and, and I don't believe God makes mistakes I'm mm-hmm. here for a purpose and I'm hoping that that purpose is to show that not all transgender people are perverts because I've heard people one person specifically say that to me that all transgender people are pedophiles but I want to break the stereotype on what a transgender person is. And I know I'm just one person. Well, so was Rosa Parks.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But you, but your spirit is so gentle and you're, you're so transparent. And that is a gift. That is a gift to be walking this journey for people to look over and see, Oh, I just found out that, that Jackson was trans And knowing you as they know you and then hearing that you're trans, that's a teachable moment for people. You know, people people have known me for many, many years and I wasn't out in the school system. I wasn't out for the first part of the time I did therapy. And now if you don't know I'm gay, you are not on social media. You're not paying attention. (laughs) But, But so there are people who are now friending me that may have years ago knew me as a school counselor of their children or knew me as a therapist for their children. And they're friending me on Facebook. And I'm thinking, girl, (laughs) I don't know if you're new to Facebook (laughs) but once you friend me, it's going to be something. And, and I'll get comments about, you know, positive comments mostly about, wow, good for you. Or I'm really proud of you. It looks like you've got a good life. And, you know, they're learning about me now But they didn't know that I was already me back then. So it's going to be a teachable moment for a lot of people, for sure. And you're going to educate people today because I'm going to ask the question. So Jackson. You're not gay, even though you were born female and you want to date women and you love the idea of dating women. So if you were born female and you love dating women, why aren't you gay?
1: Because from an extremely early age, I've never felt like a woman. I Mm -hmm. in the inside, I was always a boy. And I just I can't explain it. I just know that. I was always a boy. I've always been a boy. I was born a boy. It just happens to be they assigned female on my birth certificate, mm-hmm. and it's hard because you're right. It's some people don't even know they're gay or transgender until later. <clears throat> so yes, yes, for me to know so early mm-hmm. is unusual.
0: Yeah, the worst thing I ever did in my family was date a guy <laughs> because my, of course, my family. You know, said that they never knew that I was gay, but all through elementary school, my mother asked me if I was gay. And at first, I didn't even know what she was asking me. And then, once I knew what she was asking me, based on what I was being taught in church and what I would hear, you know, jokes going around my family, I I, I was like, no, no, no way, huh? No, and I really thought that I was being truthful. I really did. And by the time I was ready, and she asked me all through, you know, high school too, and and you know, then I was dating a a couple of people in college and, and I think they all did a sigh of relief and I even got engaged. And that was like the worst cardinal sin of gayness because I didn't know I was gay and I got engaged. And, (laughs) and so they couldn't figure out how all of a sudden I was gay, you know, when I finally wanted to tell them, they stopped asking me. So I had to come out to them because they quit asking. And, you know, it ruined it for them because they didn't understand how I could date someone and then be engaged. They didn't understand the panic thing that you do trying to fit in, be part of society. They didn't get any of that. They just knew that I was born into this family, that I was assumed heterosexual and how dare I change sides, you know? So they blame Sue, Yeah, you know, she turned me gay. <laughs>
1: yeah I think it's, it's in the water
0: It's in the water Have you ever watched that movie it's in the water It's no, really it's quite
1: funny <laughs> it's, it's very very a very good description because that's apparently what's the problem yeah that's the, that's the problem
0: So so let's go back to this idea of you maybe being called to be a priest So where are you at with that and do you think that was a calling that you had in or was it something else?
1: Well, um, I, I think in one way I've fulfilled my dream of becoming a priest because even though I'm not a priest, uh, I work for a church
0: uh-huh.
1: and uh-huh. My, I think what I really wanted to do was serve God and be myself. And that's uh-huh. what I'm doing. Uh-huh. Good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think, I think that a that a life well-lived is always a service to God. When we speak of, when we stand in our truth and we live our life authentically and lovingly, I think we're all serving God. And you, my friend, I know that you're a service to God and you're a service to the people in your church. And I, I agree with you. They adore you. I do, I do agree with you. I wish you were in our church, but I know they, they adore you over there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, if, could, if technology gets to the point where i can be cloned I'll yes <laughs> like...
0: that would be great <laughs> so wanna... let's go back
1: let's go back to this part about dating men okay yep i've never dated a man mm-hmm. but my mom would you know i had that was one of her rules mm-hmm. you just made me think about because this is prom season I remember I had to wear a dress if I wanted to go to the school dance oh. and I'm horrified when every time I see this picture, uh-huh. but I've got a picture of my sister and I with our boyfriends huh. and, uh, you know, uh, we're just, my, our, our parents got a limo and we went to, I think two dances total during school, but Um, the, the one that we went to the limo in, uh, it was just like this big ordeal. And, um, my, you know, my sister and I are twins and the, the boy I was dating, uh, (laughs) um, he was a twin and I, you know, they, even though they're identical twins, I could tell them apart. Uh My sister and I were fraternal, so that's not an issue, but. Every time I see the picture, I cringe uh-huh. because at that point I knew, like even before that, I knew. And, to, and the only way I was able to go to school events was to pretend. Uh-huh. So I wanted to go to basketball games. I couldn't. The only way I could get to go was if I was a cheerleader. <sighs> Um, and I wanted to go to school dances. The only way I could go was to pretend to be a girl. And you know, at this point, my dad had already been diagnosed with cancer, so we didn't go to get to go to a lot of school functions. But the ones we did go to, you know, I I had to be someone else. Um, but the few times that I pretended to date guys, um, I would explain to them, "Look, this is not why I'm here." Um, I just needed to get out of the house <laughs> i go hang out with girls. Um, and then I remember the, the boy I went to the dance with, um, his name will lose me, but we used to sit in the closet of my bedroom. And of course my parents thought I was doing something else, uh-huh. but I was asking him what it was like to be a boy. Uh. And you know i kind of explained to him a little bit and he still he was like well it's okay if you feel like that and then we just had very long conversations about what it was like and and the differences and um you know because you know the whole potty training thing uh-huh. i said it's hard when you're learning to go to potty train and and you feel one way but you were born this other way and he goes, I can't imagine having to sit down. <laughs> like, yeah, well, I, I had a hard time imagining how I was supposed to sit down and not stand up. And, and he didn't he didn't understand. Yeah, but he was yeah. willing to listen and try to understand. And I was like, like, years later, I look back and I'm like, if only other people were mm-hmm. that understanding and and that willing to explain how they feel and what the difference mm-hmm. is. Yeah. But now they just, you know, people look and say, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't, shouldn't be going into that bathroom or, uh-huh. you know, and I know a lot of transgender people and there are way more transgender people than I anticipated. Uh-huh. So the support is there. And uh-huh. even straight cis people are okay. And they're, they're, they're supportive of me. And that's Uh one of the reasons I love my church Uh is I don't have to pretend to date guys. I don't have to do something that I don't want to do just to be accepted. Uh And of course, obviously I have very short hair. (laughs) I tried growing it out. I honestly, I did. I let two months, and it was so bad. I, no, I said, nope, started shaving yeah. it off. Again. <laughs> but I tried Yeah. and it, just, it made me very uncomfortable just growing it up for two months. Yeah. But I, I wasn't doing it for anyone else. I was doing it for me and then I'm like, no, I can't, this is not who I am. Good for you.
0: Good for you. And that makes all the difference in your health as well. I think that once once our body gets aligned with our truth, our bodies can heal from many things because they're not fighting each other.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually the, the doctors at the Transgender Health Program at UNC um, up in Chapel Hill, they, my specific doctor was telling me that she's doing a research paper on how uh, gender affirmation and correct gender treatment, medical, medically speaking, um, just affirming one's gender with medical treatment can improve other mental and physical, absolutely, ailments. So to speak. yep yeah. Um, after I transitioned, because you know I'm, I'm mostly completed. I still have a couple of things I have to get done, but um all of my blood work has come back normal for the most part. I mean, a couple of things still get re- like labeled as high or low because they're geared towards female blood work because you have to use uh-huh. your assigned at birth gender. So some of my levels for a female are high, but for a male, they're normal. But this is, you know, this last year, my all of my blood work has come back in the normal range for a male and she says that's that's just proof that you know gender affirmation treatment can improve overall health and that and that's part of one of the the medical papers that she's writing is you know when someone can be their true selves that improves their physical health their mental health and their well-being in general and I said, you're right, because, you know, the last two years, this is the best I've ever felt, Mm -hmm. like physically, Mm -hmm. mentally, and just not having to, you know, sit home and, and do nothing because I'm afraid of going out because people will judge me. Now I can be myself and my, my health is just so much better. I can feel it. Mm -hmm. That's amazing.
0: And, and I believe it. Yeah, I believe it. Oh my goodness! I knew that I had to talk to you, Jackson. Thank you for accepting my plea.
1: <laughs> you didn't really plea. You just asked once, and I said okay.
0: <laughs> well, I felt like I was pleading a little bit at the at the end. <laughs> I knew you wanted to do it. And we just hadn't got you scheduled yet. And then I'm like, Hey, I need you on Monday. And you were okay. And I'm like, Oh, wow.
1: <laughs>
0: so my, I need was the plea, but you were ready.
1: <laughs> I this you saying no to people.
0: Well, lucky for me, <laughs> lucky for me. <laughs> so what would you like to say to other um, young people out there that may hear this, this show today? What, What would you want to say to them that you wish someone had told you when you were going through your young life and trying to get through it?
1: Yes, it depends on the age group. Um, If you're still living at home with your parents and they are not accepting of who you are, just give it time. Mm -hmm. Eventually, you will become an adult. You can move out. And you can be your true self. I know people are always afraid of losing their family, and that does happen a lot. But if your parents or your family cannot accept you for who you are, that get out of there because mm-hmm. they're gonna make you feel guilty for being who you want to be. And that's gonna hurt harm you more than it will harm them. Yeah. And you know, I, I know some some people a little older than that you know maybe their 20s and 30s it gets better Uh you know they're this stupid other states passing these Uh don't stay gay bills and Uh it, it gets better just just wait wait and if it's not the right time it's not the right time but eventually it'll be okay you just uh-huh. have to, you know, the right people and and get out there. If you know you live in a small town and you'll never be accepted, it's worth it to just get out of there uh-huh. because uh-huh. it will, I, I feel like if I had not moved, I would still be living as a female unhappily. Uh-huh. And my life probably would have been cut short because of my health, because yeah. I just couldn't keep. Taking it, you know. Yep. Yep. And to I'd like to also say to anyone who has these judgments about transgender people and anybody in the LGBT community, stop. Uh Because most of the time, and I'm not saying all the time, but most of the time, you don't even know if somebody is part of the LGBT community unless they tell you. Uh and for someone to have said to me directly to me that all transgender people are pedophiles and I said oh so I'm a pedophile and they're like no I I didn't say that but yeah you did exactly (laughs) and you know I'm like that how, how can you think that and it's it's that stereotype of oh well if there's a man in the woman's bathroom or there's a woman in the man's bathroom, it doesn't matter there. Yes, there are pedophiles, but you can't say that all transgender people are pedophiles. Mm -mm. You have to say some human beings are disgusting and they're pedophiles, Mm. but don't sit there and call me a pedophile. Right. Right. Because of how I was made. Right. And I, and I know so many people that also won't date transgender people. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's fear. I don't know if it's just, you know, uh, well, they, they can't be a true man if they don't have the parts or if they can't be a true woman, if they don't have the parts. Again, what makes you a man or a woman is not what's in your pants. Right. And... Uh-huh. I'm so glad you,
0: I'm so glad you said that because it, you know, what, what they're not getting is being trans is not a choice. It is an internal set point for you. It is who you were created to be on the inside, no matter how your body was looking on the outside. And it's the same thing with someone who's lesbian or gay or however you want to say it, that we are hotwired to be attracted to the, to the same gender. There is nothing, no, no type of parenting, no churching, nothing can take that out of my hotwired body. I, I do not date men because I am not attracted to men. I can, I can appreciate a good looking man body. I can, I can appreciate it for like the physique. I'm not sexually attracted to that male and I have never and could never have sex with a man. So it's not, it's in it, it. And they talk about how if two gay people raise children, they'll make them gay. No heterosexual parents made me heterosexual. It can't, mm-hmm happen unless you are coerced into faking yourself out or going along with the group. It's just not it's not something we change.
1: We pass. I love love that (laughs) you know well there wouldn't be gay people if those straight people didn't have gay kids. (laughs) I love that. I love that. No, it's like seriously right. If, If just you straight people would stop having gay kids, we'd be fine. And it's, it's the misconceptions. I hate that. Yes. I mean, yes. it's funny. you have to laugh at
0: it. Yes, you have to, because it, it is, it is ridiculous. Once you, when you, once you say it out loud or you see, I mean, it's ridiculous, but they're not getting it. And, but I love your comment about wait it out. You know, it does get better and it's worth it to, to take care of you and to make the, the life of your own that, that you were created to be. So technology
1: nowadays, like podcasts and uh, social media groups, you're going to find the support you need. You just have to know what's out there. Right. Right.
0: And that's that's the beauty of this time now is that social media and podcasts, like you said, all those things are available now for kids. And they're way more savvy than we ever knew. I mean, I didn't I was so clueless, so clueless. So um, you're right. So thank you. Jackson, I adore you. Thank you. I'm glad you're in my circle of people that I love and I care about. And uh, I really, really appreciate you honoring us with your story today.
1: Oh, and, if, and then I, I appreciate the invitation. And if any of my family hears this podcast, you know, I'm sorry, but I am who I am. And Amen. you just have to deal with it
0: because it's my life, not yours. And please continue to love Jackson because he's a great son, Mama. And just just so you know, Mama, he's a good son. Oh, oh, I love, I love this. Thank you so much. So, and to my listeners, I want to continue to thank you for coming back each week, supporting, sharing, and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to see more information to connect with Jackson, go to the Gay with God show page and I'll be entering some things there at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. If you are questioning whether you can be gay or trans or anywhere on our spectrum and be in relationship with God, if you are authentically gay or trans, God has always been within you. Even when you didn't know it, you have always been right there, gay with God or trans with God, however you want to say it, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> you are authentically with God. So thank you, everybody. See you next week. Stay tuned and, and hear how you can join the Gay with God uh, community. And remember that if you go to the Facebook, Facebook group, I, don't, I can't say that today, Gay with God, uh, I've recently started uh, my faith journey, zoom group once a month, and you can join that group. If you go in and join the, the Facebook group, Gay with God, make sure that you Uh, answer all the questions so that we understand that you are in the right place and and you are going to be welcomed in so thank you so much again for listening and we'll see you next week i want to invite you to become a part of the gay with god community how can you do that stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the gay with god show page Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4,
1: a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.